You and I, I did a, a message in the last few weeks about what you have access to and what is inside you. David said that not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Did you know that you have access to the strength of God? What does that mean? This is energy. Man, if I wouldn't have discovered that one 25 years ago, I think I would be hospitalized permanently. But I found out that his strength is his energy. That access to the energy of God, and even Jesus in his human body, you can see these incredible nuances in the, in the New Testament, like when he was tired and so he sat by a well. The disciples went in to get him food because he needed to look after his physical body. While he's sitting there, a woman came up. They began a conversation. When the disciples came back, they looked at Jesus, and he no longer looked tired. And they said, who gave him food? And he says, I've got food you know not of. And I'd love to do a whole teaching on that, but that's not my topic. I just want you to know the energy of God is yours. Learn to pull from it. Other than that, all you've got is the energy of your own emotional strength, your own physical strength. Well, good luck. You know why? Because the plans God has for you was using His energy, His wisdom, His love, His peace, His joy, so you're not going to make it. You need the presence of God. You need this renewable strength. They always talk about renewable resources. You need the renewable strength of God. Make sure you learn to tap in. Make sure that you access that. And recognize that Jesus said, the peace you've got is His peace and it works all the time. The joy you've got is His joy and it works all the time. And so as we understand that the love that we have, it helps us to not get angry over political differences, over differences in health care, over differences about a whole bunch of stuff. We have His love. And so we must learn to get to know the Jesus that we've given our lives to so that we can have access to all of these strengths. Otherwise, you're just going to be another burnt-out statistic walking around trying to change things on your own energy. And it doesn't work. You know, I was praying about the gospel in our prayer. and How, how powerful is the gospel? Well, the gospel, it changes countries. It's because of the gospel that Judeo-Christian principles and law has even raised up some of the greatest nations the world has ever seen. Those Judeo-Christian principles. And it's you and I knowing this Jesus on the inside of us. But now, okay, Leon, I've got his energy, I've got his love, I've got his joy. What, what am I going to do with my life now? Now you get up and you help advance the kingdom of God. We need to get involved in the world that we live in, the nation that we live in. We need to get involved in the town, you know, the work, the people around you. You know, one guy asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Ha, they're everywhere. And our job is to reach out with the love of Jesus. Now, many people think that that means that we only do it through church. You know, that like, for example, religion and politics don't mix. So I'm not politically involved. That's a dumb statement. Okay? To build a country around Judeo-Christian principles and the gospel and then do nothing to defend it, not even to talk, vote, get involved, doesn't even make sense to me. Okay? 
And so, as a church, what good is it to build a country around Judeo-Christian principles, but never talk, never have an opinion, never vote, never get involved, never join a political party? You know, I'm a Christian. What in the world does that mean? The Christians of the Bible changed countries. The Christians in the Bible had such wit. Well, we're not supposed to be involved, Pastor Leon. I mean, you know, religion and politics. You know, dive into that. It was the political world we didn't want delving into the church beliefs. But everybody's beliefs is going to influence what they do on a political basis. And so we live in a world right now that is that the church has to kind of wake up because it's happening all around the planet and that is that there is this belief system that's being taught in our universities and you know stuff like they'll, they'll take words and they'll redefine uh, them and uh, so for example capitalism that's all the rich guys and their corporations taking the money from the small guy and socialism that looks after the small guy and you kind of go what? Well, socialism is in the Bible. Oh, really? Give me the verse. Ooh, it's quiet in here. You know, notice how quiet it went just instantly. We live in a world where we are supposed to get involved. We're supposed to be involved. We are to be the salt. We are to be the light. And it doesn't mean you walk around with your big six-inch King James trying to give someone clarity about biblical verses. The Bible shows us how to build a marriage, shows us how to build a family, shows us how to raise up amazing kids. It shows us how to have great leadership. I'm surprised when people say, well, you know, I mean, there's nothing in the Bible about this, so just do whatever government says and... No, it's a democracy. There's lots of things that you can do. You can get involved. And then we've got the praying Christians. Let's pray about it. Maybe just take them some food next door rather than praying for them if they're hungry. Yeah, we're going to pray because they're hungry. Well, Jesus said, what good is your prayer if you're not going to bring some food over? Well, you know, we're going to just pray. Prayer has become, now not in every person's case, but has become the lazy way to do Christian life. Thank you for telling me about that. I'm going to pray about that. It's, it's kind of like how we say hi and how we say goodbye. It's like when we say, hey, God bless you. And you don't even, there's nothing even involved in it. It's just a saying. And so today I want to talk to you about the future. I want to talk to you about stay hooked into God's energy his might stay hooked in to his wisdom to his peace his joy because we are to be those that when people meet them you're not going to have everything figured out everything's not going to be perfect around us but we still walk in this joy now in proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 it says the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction wisdom understanding and knowledge are three different words you know knowledge is the data and you'll notice that God's not going to give you the data I wish he would just like the matrix for those of you who watch that old movie you know you kind of got a plug in the back of your neck you just plug in the the computer and and all of a sudden you can fly a plane all of a sudden you can fight you know for martial arts come take me on try this out um, 
Knowledge is something the Bible says you have to go after. Now wisdom, that's interesting. Wisdom is how to use the knowledge. Wisdom is how to apply the knowledge to that person, and then completely different to that person. And I'm going to introduce into a conversation with that person. But, and so wisdom is Holy Spirit guiding us. And so just because you know what the truth is doesn't mean you know how to apply it. And so wisdom is crucial. Now listen to Proverbs 1.20. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. She opens at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity, naivety? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. All right, this is one loaded portion of Scripture. Let me unpack it a little bit for you. It doesn't say wisdom cries aloud in your front room. She raises her voice in your bedroom. She's speaking at the gates to your study for your family business, which is what everyone thinks. It's, your wisdom is just for you and your family. Just shut up about the country and about school, about everything. Just none of your business. Just stay out of everybody else's business. Have you noticed everybody else is talking? No, it says here, wisdom calls along outside in the open square. It says she cries out in the chief concourses of the city. At the opening of the gates, that is where the mayor and the leaders decided everything from warfare to government was decided there. And it says wisdom is crying out, which means the wisdom that God has given you isn't for you. Well, once we walk in the door, we can have some good talks or we finally get to church, we can share. No, you, that wisdom should have you being able to share what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what you believe, what's going on about government, what's going on about money, what's going on about, on about your kids' education what's going on in your village in your town in your city for you to be quiet and just go I'm a pan Christian what's that it's all gonna pan out in the end yeah I wonder what happened then to the Russian Christians when 50 million were killed in Russia when socialism and Marxism begin to invade I guess we should tell that to the Syrians as they beheaded their kids and everything else that went on. Leon, why are you freaking us out? Because you just need to get aware and get involved, please. Don't go, well, we're going to pray. <laughs> Goliath was screaming at Israel. David talked back. So, Leon, what are you saying? Stay put. I'll unpack a little bit of it for you. But the first thing I want to say is that you are not to love simplicity. What? Keep it simple, stupid. I believe in the KISS method, Leon. Keep it simple, saints. You know what? There's some things that just aren't simple. Like... Raise a 12-year-old girl. Like raise five of them. Life has got stuff. But to just sit there and go, as a Christian, I'm just going to pray. Oh, 
feel better already. This is good. Or I'll cross myself or something, you know, just leave it with God. Just, you know, my marriage is getting hard, but I just left her with God. No, he left her with you. And you're to work it out. Well, you know, my kids, I just don't understand 12-year-old girls. And, and so I, oh, you just, I said, Jesus, I just give her to you. He didn't take her from you. He said, no, I gave her to you. And now you go teach her in the morning, you go teach her in the afternoon, you go teach her in the evening, you teach her about gender, you teach her about God, you teach her about His Word. And when she's older, she won't move from the wisdom of God's Word being taught her. Knowledge, we must go after knowledge. We must share knowledge to our children, our families. We must raise up our kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You're not going to go, well, I'm going to let them find their way. They're going to find their way gender-wise. They're going to find their way sexual-wise. I've got news for you. They won't. Somebody's going to find them on you, and they're going to teach them their ways. And then you're going to be sorry, because the Word teaches us that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So we live in a world, and we're not to be of the world. And so we've got Christians who they just believe in being so passive. They're pacifists in every area. Yeah, don't vote, don't protect myself. And, uh, and it's true, you study history, there's whole groups of believers that you could walk in and kill their wives and steal their kids and they would just, you know, they're, they're passive. Like, dude, that's not going to happen in our world. Not a chance with the men in the house. So we need to recognize that when things go on, hey, it's one thing to say, I'd lay down my life for my family. Well, could you live for them? Could you get up and help us change cities? Could you get us and help work with schools and get onto school boards and get into schools where you can decide what's coming in and teaching your kids? <laughs> Around the world right now is what they call cultural Marxism. Without a shot being fired, you just culturally get it into their universities. Just culturally get it into kindergarten. Just culturally do movies about evil business people. If you're making a profit, you're evil. It, everything should be shared with everybody. Socialism is biblical. And okay, Before I start throwing words around, we don't even agree on the term and the definition. So you need to look at what does that mean. What does that definition mean? Uh, does it mean looking after the little guy? No, it doesn't. Well, we should be talking about equity, Pastor. Equity. What's equity? Well, equity means everybody should have the same outcome. That's not Bible. Now, we should have all have same opportunities. So I could dive into all this stuff. All I'm telling you is you need to really get up and look at what the universities and these professors are teaching our kids. And you better be open to having some real conversations with your kids. And as you're grown up, you could be 30, 40, have some chats with your mom and dad. Talk some of these things through. Why are they so divisive? As the world looks at saying, we need to be fair. We could just rub out evil if everybody just shared. Let's examine that topic for a minute. Let's take all the money in the world, all the houses in the world, all the cars in the world, and let's divide it equally between all seven billion people. Almost eight. Guess what we just did? We just stopped murder. We just stopped rape. We just stopped lying, cheating, stealing, envy, malice, pride. Did we? Did we? 
Not a chance. Well, Russia would love America and China would love the UK if we just shared. And so this socialistic gospel, this globalism, let's, uh, whatever terms you want to use, people don't even, aren't even in agreement on the definition of the terms. So that's why we've got to go back to the Bible. The Bible says evil is present. Jesus said in Matthew, there's a place called hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. There is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. In the midst of all that we're doing nationally, internationally, and as a church of Jesus Christ in the cities we raise our kids in, we need to stop being naive and go, you know, I have magical thinking. I do nothing but I pray. Oh, how did that work for putting food on your table? Well, I don't need a job, I just pray. No, did that work? No, you went out and got, you put feet to your prayers. Because faith without works is dead. And so there's some principles in God's Word. Now, there's a complexity to running things and to being a leader. Uh, that you want principles to guide you, but the systems and how the systems use structure and the administration, you know, I divide it up where management is where you creatively learn to manage things differently and better, and administration takes the management and it administrates the systems. And we could just dive into all that stuff, but that's not what my purpose is here because most people kind of go, tilt. But we need to understand some principles. Like, example, according to the Bible, you should never be dominated. According to the Bible, you should make your own decisions. According to the Bible, you have been given and are as intelligent as everybody else. You say, well, not really. I, I met a guy one time. Listen, just because a person has brilliance in one linear topic does not mean they understand all the others. I know. Marriage counseling, I have some of those brilliant people that come in, you think, could you just move your brilliance from that area over to relationships? So don't allow yourself for the enemy to make you feel like, well, I just don't know what's going on. We're going to just trust the government. We're going to just trust the leaders who look after our kids. We're going to just trust education. We're going to just believe that if they say, psychology says, they make it really so then you don't believe the Bible. You don't believe the gospel changes lives. You don't believe it changes cities. You don't believe it changes things. You just believe that we can develop our own ideologies and put them to work and everything's going to be okay. None of that's Bible. Don't call yourself a real Christian unless you're going to really know what the Word of God says about these things. And Genesis is very clear in Genesis 1.26. He says to Adam and Eve, Go forth, and it says, Have dominion, the fish, the birds, and what walks on the planet. But it never, there's something that is so obviously absent, it does not allow you to dominate your wife. It does not allow you to dominate your children. Whoa, 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 whoa just a minute. No, it's different to say that when a child can't manage themselves, then parents need to manage them as an outside force, equipping and loving and training them until the day they've learned to manage all their own things. But domin to dominate destroys the human spirit, and it was never designed for that. So no government, no leader, no pastor, no business. If you've got a business and you run, and you run staff, if you dominate them so you can get them, oh, i got to make them work, I get mad, I tell them off. Okay, that domination means you've got lousy staff. 
Why? Because only small people will work somewhere where they can be yelled at, screamed at, and dominated. Because you can't even produce creatively, creatively if you're going to be dominated. It is in the freedom that God has given us that we are able to rise up. And within this auditorium alone, our gifts, health gifts, and medical gifts, and gifts in arts and entertainment, and gifts in politics and government, and gifts in the church, everybody here is gifted and has so much to offer. That Why, do, why would anyone want to dominate that? There's got to be a freedom. Leaders bring a freedom. Leaders bring something that gives this freedom to everyone. And so we need to recognize, when you recognize some of these biblical principles, then you can begin to apply them to all that you hear from all the double talk that goes on uh, every day we're hearing it. And so I want to remind you that leadership and who leads your kids and who leads your business and how you lead as a leader, all of these things are critical. They are crucial. Jesus Christ himself introduced servant leadership. Right away, everybody was probably shocked. You can't be a leader. How would a Caesar ever exist if he didn't kill all the heirs around him and his, and his, and his nephews and his cousins and anyone that turned to Jesus said, Leaders serve the people. So, well, and I've heard that so many times. They didn't in Jesus' day, because leadership up till then was to dominate, take by military force. And Jesus came along and said, I'm going to serve the people I lead so that they can become great leaders and gifted at what they do. And we can create this environment. And so the church of Jesus Christ is on this planet, not just to get someone a quick exit to heaven. Why do Christians think it's only about heaven? You know, get them saved and get them to heaven because the world is hell in a handbasket down here, man. And just, we just barely get by. Just get us out of here, sweet Jesus. Well, we could baptize you and just hold you under till the bubbles stop. We could get you straight there if you don't want to get involved in some of the stuff that's going on. But if you're here on the planet, then he has a plan for your life. And it involves speaking up with wisdom. It involves gathering knowledge. He didn't mean just stick your head in a book in your bedroom and never leave the four walls. And so in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 14, Jesus took this pot shot at leaders and he said, if the blind lead the blind, they're both going into the ditch. You gotta have good leaders in every area of our life. In Isaiah 9, 16, it says, for the leaders of this people cause them to err. And they that are led of them are destroyed. Leaders can lead to destruction. They can destroy economies. They can destroy health care systems. Leaders can destroy people even wanting to come to a city. Leaders can destroy wanting to stay in a province. Leaders can destroy their own kids. Leaders can destroy pastors and can destroy churches, can destroy people. Leadership is authority, and authority gives you power, and the decisions you make influence people. So where do we fit into that? Do we just stay dumb till he comes? No. You're brilliant. You're gifted. You're here at this time. You could have been born to a camel herder 4,000 years ago on the backside of a desert somewhere, but you're, in, you're here in this day, this hour, for the problems that are arising up for you as a dad with little kids, or a mom, or a single dad, or whatever's going on. It, in, it takes our participation. Paul walked into a city, the Apostle Paul one time, and he wanted to speak to them because they all had these religious beliefs to all these different gods. And then it said... To the unknown God. The Apostle Paul went, I'm here to talk to you gentlemen 
about the unknown God, and the place went In other words, he used creative wisdom to talk to people. He wasn't bashing them with his Bible. He wasn't slapping them with his opinion. He was trying to think of a way to present the Jesus that he loves. He's trying to, to, to walk into conversations, into cities and countries, and to present this beautiful, amazing Jesus who died for all of these people. And he didn't get there by bashing his religious ideologies. He got there by using wisdom. And I want to encourage you today that we live in a world, I was reading an article the other day by some esteemed Christian author, and the reason he wrote this book was not to change the world. It's past changing. It was just to preserve the church. I don't know how to wrap my brain around that one. Because the purpose of the church was to reach the world. So if we're still here, and God hasn't taken us all home, then the mandate still is, go into the world, preach the gospel, see signs and wonders, change governments and families and homes. You're going to have to learn to read the Word and apply it to what leaders are saying today. If, if you're going to go into a university course and a university professor is saying that you know, capitalism and big business are destroying our world, well, I'm sure there is some. And, uh, and socialism is going to be the answer, and, and so we need to be equal. The only issue, I, I, I don't have a problem. Jesus actually has a higher bar than that. I mean, if you don't give to the poor, if you don't clothe those who are cold, if you don't feed the hungry, it says that you'll be dealing with Him. Because if you haven't done it, you haven't done it for me. And if you've done it, you've done it. It's at a whole other level to be a Christian and, and to work in this world. But when you hear things like that, ask yourself the question, okay, so if I don't decide where my money goes, who's going to decide? So you're going to take, well, we're Robin Hood. We're going to take from the rich, and we're going to give to the poor. Who is that again? Oh, the government. See, that's not even biblical. Not even biblical. Bible very clearly says that you and I have a, have a freedom to make money, a freedom to use it, a freedom to rise up and to prosper. A lot of socialists don't realize that when all the capitalistic money runs out, you can't work socialism. Just a thought. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, it says there, and it's a teaching by Jesus Christ himself. And it was interesting to me because today, as you can notice, I'm just going in a bit of a different bent, and I just want to wake up the sleeping giant that is in Canada and say, get up and live for Jesus. Get up. Churches are about taking the gospel to the world. But, so here's an interesting teaching by Jesus. Jesus says that the master came and uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, called his, his servants together, delivered his goods to them. Gave one guy five bags of gold, gave one guy two, gave one guy one. See, Christianity is wrong. It's not even fair. Well, read this verse in verse 16. It says here that, I'm sorry, verse 15, it says, He gave each one according to his ability to handle the resource. 
You do that every day. Nobody hands a 2,000 car to their 11-year-old son who is ready to drive. Why not? Bless him. Bless him. He doesn't have the ability to drive that 2,000-pound truck all the way through the city. So, you know, it, it, people want, I want simplicity. Just, just give it to me in one line. I'll talk to people and say, if you want to know about this, there's a great book here. You can get a great bunch of teachings about over there. And uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't have really have time. Could you read them and just, you know, kind of con concise it down for me? No. No, I got my own stuff to look at. 27 years ago when, I, when we came in here, Sal and I started passing this church as it just exploded and began to grow, people wanted to know what they should do. And I said, what do you mean? Well, what should I do, Pastor? Oh, I don't know. Well, can't you tell me what to do? Nope. Why not? Because I don't want to tell you what to do. Well, why not? Lots of other pastors like to. Maybe, I don't know, but I won't. Why? Because if I'm right, you're going to be coming back every day. And if I'm wrong, you're going to blame me. So let me just encourage you to get knowledge. Let me just encourage you to get to know Christ. Let me encourage you to pray for wisdom. Let me make sure that you realize God will always have a way. God will always make a way. If you will follow the teaching and the principles of the Bible, then He'll be there for you. So anyway, He gave one guy five bags of gold, one guy two bags of gold, and one guy one bag of gold. And then He left. He came back and the guy with five went to work. It says he went to work business-wise. Business is evil. Big corporations are evil, really. And he went to work and made five more. Got ten. The guy with two went to work. Trading, buying, selling. He made two more. Now he's got four. The guy with one, he buried it. He didn't lose it. He maintained it. Master came back and called him evil. He said, give that thing to me. Took the bag of one away from the guy that wouldn't do anything with it. And of course we know where he's going, because Jesus is a good Canadian. He's going to go to the guy with the four bags of gold, not the guy with the ten. No. He walks right past the guy with four and gives it to the guy with ten. That'll freak you right out. Except there's a ton of lesson in there in regards to running successful countries, in running and understanding good government, in understanding leadership and leading people. There is a why. I could preach for hours on just that one example. Why in the world would the master take the one away from the guy who preserved it but wouldn't do anything with it and walk it all the way over to the guy with ten? I'm not going to answer that one. I'll let you think on that one for a while. Maybe we'll talk about it next week. We'll see. But when we understand that God understood when He created the earth how Adam and Eve could have a family with two kids and it would work. And He's not up in heaven right now scratching His brain going, i got 7.8 billion kids now? I don't know how to even organize that from country to country. How would you ever do government for that? He's not even breaking a sweat. It's just that we've backed away from Him because the Bible says it's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning you need to be in awe of the fact that He created us. He's not surprised that this 
that human beings could build a metal roof. It was buried in the mountains the whole time. He's not surprised that we can drink out of this. And what is it? It's just sand. And out of it they get glass. He's not surprised that the wooden rooms came out of groves of trees. And he even knows which ones are better. From oak to elm or poplar. And what you should burn and not burn. And what corrodes up your chimney. God knew all that. Well, why didn't he just write all that in the book? Because he wanted you to learn to go explore and discover and the joy of life is every blessing he's hidden in this and on this planet. And so, as the church of Jesus Christ, my time has passed up, I'm going to challenge you to stop being a pan-Christian. Everything's going to pan out. Stop just being, well, let's pray. Let us pray. Good, pray. But faith without works is dead. Do something. Get up and get involved. Don't adhere to some of these archaic principles that the church, well, we're just kind of poor little Christians. We just walk around. We're going to just stay dumb until he comes. And, you know, one day in the sweet by and by, I'll get my mansion. But right now, oh, I don't need money. Well, who's going to feed the orphans? Who's going to finance the gospel? Like, we just have some of these concepts that Christians have that it's just time to shoot a few holy cows. <laughs> Or you're going to just sit on your blessed assurance. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the camera. No, no one here. We're good. We're going to sit on our blessed assurance and just wait till Jesus comes back or he's going to make it all good. There are places of prayer where the Bible says when you've done all, stand in faith. And so I'm a bit of a go-getter. So if you're looking for a church where you can kind of just sit and relax, you're probably in the wrong place. Talk to me after. I'll give you a list of a few churches you can go relax in. But as for us... We want to see our cities, our provinces, and our nation a place that when my grandkids and I'm gone and they do my funeral, that I can say with love as I say goodbye to them, I've done my best to leave you a country in the best possible place I could. So every time you hear all these terms, I'm going to just challenge you to ask them to define it. What's your definition of that? When I have deeper conversations with somebody, they, they quit after a while. Well, you know, Leon, if you understand sanctification and justification by faith, okay, what do you mean by sanctification? Why have a conversation if we have a different look at the word sanctification? And so now, and, and the same is true for people having conversations with you about looking after the poor, looking, you know, uh, um, understanding the rich, understand corporations, understanding government, what is good government, well, who in the world? It just goes... But listen, just decide I'm going to stop talking like, oh, it's just too complicated. I'm so confused. I refuse to say things like that. And instead, say, Jesus, help us to rise up and be the church. And I, I, I'm not giving up. I'm not like the author I just read. I mean, you know, well, can't do much about the world. So let's just try to hang in there until Jesus comes back. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. So that means... Let's go have the time of our lives. Let's get up and talk. Let's walk with wisdom. Let's get involved. Let's vote. Let's join political parties. Let's run for office. Whatever is the gifting inside of you, let's treat people with love. Let's honor them. And when they disagree, love them and respect them anyway. That, don't, 
laugh, which we've been doing for 27 years, you heard Pastor David, is done in every service, in every location of Springs Church, you're going to hear LAF. Man, we should do that in government, parliament, every country in the world. LAF. Let's learn to love one another, accept each other and all of our differences. You know, where are you now with this? And I don't, I don't want to say it, but are you on this side? We're, I don't care. I love you anyway, dude. Love you, Ann. Let's go for coffee. High five. Everything's fine with me. Bring them out to church. Yeah, but I need to know. Ah, you don't need to know. It's welcome to everybody. You just invite them out and say, now the church is a place where we just go. We're going to put our political differences aside. We're going to put our COVID differences aside. We're going to put our mask differences aside. We're going to put our vaccination differences aside. We're going to put all this stuff aside. And we're going to go, oh, I love you, man. And you don't have to think like me. I don't have to dominate you. I love you. Let's go do something together. But then when we go out into the world, walk with wisdom, speak up, have an opinion, do it with wisdom, get involved in the processes that have been created for us in this beautiful country called Canada. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. I know. I've been around the world looking at other countries. And when I come back, I want to get off the plane and kiss the ground and go, I love Canada. Well, Leon, there's so many imperfections. I know. I know. But is your life perfect? Hey, if you got the perfect marriage, would you stand up? Because I'm going to give you the rest of my time to talk about marriage. <laughs> if you're the perfect parents, just stand up because I'll give you the rest. I'll give you a few services to teach on perfect parents. There is no perfection. So we are a, we're on a journey. We're doing the best that we can. God is walking with us. And in this imperfection, we have to forgive. We have to love. We have to recognize we are such different thinkers and we come from different perspectives. And let's just talk and respect and love one another and then at the same time, listen for wisdom. I'm not interested. You know, usually when people talk with me, I, right away the first thing I do is, am I getting preached at or are they interested? Can I talk to you for a minute, Pastor? Yeah, what's up with the message? You say, yeah, no, I don't want to talk. They can already sense they're trying to correct me. But say, let's talk about it. What did you mean by that? What do you think about this? Well, then it's two. The Bible says a wise man loves rebuke. Perhaps a wise man can have different opinions. So we need to be able to do that again. Sit down as your family and as your friends and just talk it through. And why do you think that? And let's share. And let's do it in a way. It's like everybody's too fearful to have a conversation. You know, TV shows used to have great conversations. You put a scientist over here and a scientist over there. And we're going to talk about this. And they disagree, by the way. And they both have degrees. But I love hearing their opinions. Today, not a chance. No way. We're just, you know, we have to be in agreement or we don't talk. That's ridiculousness. That's stupidity. Wisdom comes when we listen. Wisdom comes when we look at someone and we accept them the way they are. The differences. That's what Springs is about. You're hearing this dichotomy of me saying, come on, get up and speak up for truth. And, but that's out in, in the world that you're going to. But here in the church, we open up with love and arms and acceptance and forgiveness so we can continue. The only way to change a nation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need churches that are alive, unafraid to share their Christ, unafraid to walk someone to the foot of the cross. And with the words in your testimony, show them the Jesus that died for you. And his peace, his joy. And bring that with us as we build our families, our businesses, our cities, our provinces, our nation. It's Jesus first. And then everything that you do will be attractive to the people around you. Father.
I pray today that He would touch each of us in a remarkable way. That we would look at the future with such hope, with such excitement, and know that nations for thousands of years were changed a hundred times worse than whatever we're facing. And I pray that we would pray for our leaders, pray for our government, that, Father, we would honor and walk with wisdom. I pray that, Father, we'd have no problem disagreeing. We'd have no problem speaking truth. But I pray for wisdom. Guide us and lead us as we in my generation continue to work and leave this world to our kids and our grandkids better than we found it in every way. Father, I just pray courage. I command the spirit of fear that has been pounding us through the airwaves. Father, just gone and let the peace, the joy, and the strength, and the energy of God radiate through this room and pick each person up to go, I'm going to go live, laugh, love, and make a difference. I pray this in your wonderful name and everybody in agreement said amen and amen.